but also like yeah Quezza like Quezza for example like yeah it's an Esper legend that is like part Nekusar but it's single target and it's you know or, or like say Kosas Carl or whatever but fits all over fits is all over that shit <laughs> the minute yeah. I'm like hey Fitz check this he's like hot damn and we we played the other night last uh last weekend I think or maybe even the weekend before and uh I put my deck together and I played it and then at the end of it he's like I know what I'm doing I'm gonna do some straight up villain shit and I'm like oh I would expect nothing less but what have I done but it was gonna it was more of an inevitability anyway this is season motherfucker two Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Commander Podcast, where myself and other guests come on to talk about our favorite uncommon legendary creatures to run as our commanders. Today, from the Possibility Storm and Do You Pay the One Podcast, I have Islaine. How are you doing? Hey, man. What's up? Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad for you to be here. Um, this has been a legendary creature I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, one of my favorite ones for a long time since Strixhaven came out, and... Uh, just the short story that they had for him endeared me on top of the card ability. Uh, we're going to be talking about Quintorius Field Historian today. Um, and uh, you have an artisan deck, and, and I got the full-blown, let's put all the really fun stuff in there. Uh, uh, and uh, we're kind of just going to break down kind of what we did and sort of the fun stuff we can do with Quintorius. Uh, so, Islaine, what does Quintorius do? Uh, so, Quintorius, Field Historian, is a 2-4 legendary elf, elephant cleric. Uh, gives spirits you control plus 1 plus 0, just uh, in general. And then whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token, which was kind of Loreholt's thing uh, through the set. So, because um, normally spirits tend to be like 1-1 one, one white creatures, flyers. The flyers and... Don't. I, um, these I, ones don't buy and they're bigger so it's kind of a weird thing but it's a neat it's a neat trade-off and and the one thing i noticed uh every the first time personally when i was playing quintorius when it came out everyone's like oh so it has flying right i'm like no it, it it's a spirit on the ground they're like that doesn't make any sense i'm like it makes sense for the lore okay don't question it well what i always thought was funny too with spirits is like why don't they either have shadow or uh like like indestructible or something like or on or unblockable i think unblockable just in general makes sense because they're ethereal like how do you block something that just flies through you i mean i mean we we can go into the logistics of spirits <laughs> in a bit like right but then again at the same time like i guess while we're in this little tangent here like does when we think about magics like creatures in general uh you know Yes, if, if if spirits are uh, intangible and like can't be interacted with, like uh, you know, does like uh, you know how is immense amounts? You know, how does mana work? How does uh, if we freeze something with ice, how come it doesn't die from being frozen solid? You know, how do, how does ice magic work? And uh, I, I know I mentioned freezing and like tapping stuff down, which is one of my favorite like mechanics of magic in general. But yeah, there's yeah, 
logistic stuff and like how does magic work in magic don't worry just just if you squint a bit and you kind of turn away it just don't worry about it suspension of disbelief yeah exactly um but yeah contorius uh keynote of course is that like contorius has one of the more modern design changes of uh, whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, you only get to do one instance of making uh, a 3-2 spirit token. But a uh, cool thing that you did, and a cool thing that I did, and we both kind of looked at our respective rarities to find them, uh, there are only certain cards, there, there are certain abilities that allow you to incrementally have um, effects leave your graveyard, count as one instance of a trigger, and end up with a, a, a huge army of, of spirits for pretty much nothing. Uh, yeah, it depends on what cards you use and their efficiency, but uh, the perfect example is Faithless Looting. It is a card that is ubiquitous across many formats. Uh, uh, probably doesn't need any introduction, but it is one red, draw two cards, dis two, discard two cards, but more importantly has flashback for two and a red. So you cast this once, you draw two, then you discard two cards, and then this goes to the graveyard. And maybe one of those cards you discarded also has a, a flashback effect or some other effect that we're going to get into that might also benefit the commander. But in this case, you cast it, you get your, your value by drawing and discarding, and then next turn or down the road, you pay the two in the red, cast this again, but it is now leaving your graveyard and going to exile. So Quintorius will trigger, see that, give you a spirit. So you basically paid, uh, technically in this example, you've paid four mana to get a spirit, which is not a good rate. But you're, if you count the other value that you've also drawn four cards and discard four cards, so you've seen, uh, well, you've seen four additional cards. Um, that's not terrible. Uh, getting a, for a card that you're already going to play and you're already going to do this, getting the bonus spirit is kind of what you should be looking at, uh, more so than what you did, spent to get there. Yeah, uh, but th there's other good examples too. Like, uh, for, at least in my my list specifically, there are several uh, creatures from which one was this? Midnight Midnight Hunt, I believe. Yeah, one Midnight. of the, the new in Innistrad sets had several creatures that have Disturb. Um, so you can, similarly to Faithless Looting, you can cast the card uh, for its. In this case, it's a little different, but you can still cast the card from your graveyard, but it, then it flips into something else. So like and it's example, a spirit. Well, that that helps too. Uh, in most cases, yeah, because it's uh, something ri rising from the dead, basically, and becoming spirit. All these on the backside are that. So you're also going to get the bonus uh, of um, the little plus one plus out buff, uh, and then that also will you know help with anything else you might have in a deck that does care about spirits as a creature type, which I don't think I really have anything, but I'm sure that could be something someone could do with it. Lean more heavy into the spirit tribal and find ways to buff them or whatever. There are not in these colors, unfortunately, but there are Lords in like Azurius that buff spirits. So unfortunately he's not a Jeskai commander or that would be even better. That would, that would probably like, and kind of hearkening to, the recent set of new capenna the fact that we've now seen three legendary three color legendary creatures uh it would have been neat to see if uh if these these students could have had three colors it would have been really interesting to see how uh they would have balanced it all out because yep yeah, the uh, having 
Quatorius, uh, <clears throat> voice Greg, um, having, having Quatorius be, uh, a creature that has, uh, kind of a two abilities that synergize with each other, but also enable your deck to have, um, have multiple avenues. Yeah. Like the spirits is one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of spirit tribal seeing it in red and white is, is, uh, not a surprise to me, but the ability, uh, of being like, well, you want cards to be in your graveyard. Well, what are the types of cards you want to be in your graveyard? In the higher rarity, at least for some of the stuff that I focused on in my deck, uh, you know, being able to reanimate some stuff in the graveyard, especially if you're going to be binning a bunch of stuff, pretty easy uh, to have a bunch of target, like single target reanimator or even uh, lower cost stuff like Savine's Reclamation. But... Savine's, yeah, I would love to have that in mind. <laughs> and but Savine's reclamation is also another representation of having cards with flashback, and having yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's two for one. It's it's much better. The 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 value is quite frankly through the roof of like what you're mm -hmm. capable of of doing. Um, and and I, it, I do put some of the the kind of uh, recursion stuff that was repeatable um, with like uh, for example Sigil of the New Dawn. Uh, it's a four mana enchantment, but whenever a creature's put in your graveyard for the battlefield, you can pay one and a white and then return it to your hand. And so that will it will hit the graveyard before that happens and then leave the graveyard so it will trigger you your your commander, but then also get you that creature back to then use again for whatever its value may be. Yeah, and, and like Central of the Empty Dawn uh, is uh, like the 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 fact that the card still hits the zone and you ha and, and it gives you the window of do you want to pay the two to bring it back and it's not the only card that has a similar type of effect two or three two of the cards in this case at least of the lower rarity that i want to talk about that both you and i put in our decks uh containment construct and bag of holding which are two of my most favorite cards in the i'm a super big fan of the design in that uh, whenever you discard a card, you would exile it for the respective effect of you put it in the bag of holding or you get the opportunity to play the card like it has madness. Honestly, it's it's not only a slam dunk in this list. It feels made for this list. It, oh, oh, yeah, for because, sure. Yeah. Uh, just because that that synergy is wild because you're already going to do the faithless looting thing. And then if this is out, you're getting if if Pretorius the containment construct are both out when you uh flash or you you cast a faithless looting and then you discard some stuff now you have the ability to potentially make spirits and play the card on top of it and then on top of that you know can flash something else back and just crazy it, um, it, it i find contorious to be at least for the way we've built it is it's the it's the incremental advantage deck that over time like turns a lot of these cards into just like supercharges and yeah, it's a, it's a so mid-range boros list it, which is funny because boros is usually super aggro and this can be aggro if you have low-costed creatures and low-costed spells or whatever if you can ramp uh, like if i was to build this to like a sort of cdh level and put in all of the fast mana that i could and rituals and things you'd have quintorius out turn one almost every game and you would have already spent resources to do that. That would also fuel him, which um, is pretty obviously pretty gross to think about to that level. But yeah, it, it, you can get a pretty good value train going with this guy, <clears throat> which is it's cool. But I, what I was going to say about containment construct, containment construct is that it's it's also a slam dunk in decks like Prosper, 
which I know he's a rare, and that's completely off topic. It's but it's it's one step, it's, to, it, you know, related. <laughs> right. It, it does that whole something discards, and you get to potentially cast a card from exile to get a treasure again. Like, there's other decks. Is my point that uh, this card is good in not just this one, but it is a very very much a slam dunk here. Yeah, I, Containment Construct, and and I'll talk about Bag of Holding in a second here, but Containment Construct uh, is sort of... Uh, it's an interesting design space that has been done a couple times. Uh, another another card uh, I think about is, is Conspiracy Theorist, where it allows you to have the opportunities. It, it, it adds an extra layer of playability um, and like deck building, where you're like, I could just discard this card and that would be it if i if i get it back if i uh like maybe my uh, graveyard gets exiled or i reanimate something like you know maybe it contributes to the plan or i'm just willing to accept that i'm just taking the worst one two three of my cards in my hand and just dumping it and not worrying about it but conspiracy theorist and containment construct and bag of holding offer you an opportunity to for the time being take your worst cards or situationally worst cards and put them away or plan ahead depending on like what you want to do and i just think it's really really neat to have that opportunity no i, I agree and when i look at your list um it, i don't know if, i think you mentioned at the beginning that i i built an artisan version but for those who are are unfamiliar artisan uh, is a format that requires an uncommon legendary creature as your commander and that you can only use commons and uncommons in the 99. So there are cards that uh, Cole here is going to talk about that are weren't available to me, but and seeing some of them, I'm like, damn, I wish I could have that. Like, Sabine's <laughs> is a good example. Uh, I like the Conspiracy Theorist, too. It's a card, I'm pretty sure I own a couple of them. Never looked like a card I'd ever play, but I can see it being good here. Uh, another one that I'd like to point out is Hoffrey. I super would absolutely love having Hoffrey in this deck. Um, he's also kind of someone that could be, you know, obviously he's a mythic, so, but a, a similar kind of deck. You, you could kind of interchangeably use either one of these as a Boros Spirit, you know, commander deck and have some of the same similar strategies. You just obviously aren't as concerned with the reanimation because with Hoffrey, it's a plus one, plus one to all spirits and gives them trample and haste, which is just amazing. Uh, but then whenever uh, non-tokens die, they get exiled. So that would, in turn, uh, do the Quintorius thing, which is obviously why you have it in the deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then you get to get a copy immediately. So it's basically instant recursion. So it's just that, that it's they, they go hand in hand. And that's why they're from the same school and on the same plane. But man, what a good card. It's, it's the, I, I, I have a, uh, one of my things is I, I call them, uh, it's all bangers. I, I think Fitz, uh, Fitz made his, uh, Boros good stuff deck. It is just all bangers. And it's, it, it's sort of the same gist here. My, mine is definitely a little bit more loose. Uh, I have a lot more spirits in here, uh, because I really do want to lean on the spirit strategy because while, uh, Quintorius himself does make three, two red and white spirit creature tokens that don't fly. Um, there's still a lot of stuff in the in my deck, at least, that make one ones. And having two one flyers for just the additional value of whatever effect that you're going to be throwing in the bin or flashing it back or exiling it for some 
most likely small incremental effect, you're still getting a group of, of boosted flyers uh, right. that go a long way in this type of deck. And uh, it's where the... Flyers in general, they're going to be good in any list because most people are playing ground creatures. Most tribes are on the ground. So you're probably swinging over the top, and even if they're only 1-1s. One that's why I built Millicent. And I, speaking of, uh, there's a card I don't see on your list here. I know you said that I don't think you've updated it in a while. But card that could be a shoe in for your version of the list because it's a rare uh, is Drong Skull Reinforcements. I believe it came in the Millicent precon, but it it has it's a two two with melee. It's a spirit. Oh, it's the one that gives the other spirits reinforce uh, uh, melee. Melee, yeah, yes. And it prevents all non combat damage that we've dealt to your spirits. So if anybody tries to like single target burn something, it doesn't happen. I, so I, I have it I have it somewhere and I'm, I am I, I haven't played Quintorius in a while. I know some people will be calling me out on that because this the Quintorius was like one once upon a time what am I like I, I did not not play the deck. I was like I gotta keep playing Quintorius and everyone's like can you play something else? I'm like no <laughs> but yeah So Quintorius it was your baby just, and it's collected a little bit of dust I gotcha. At least recently but yeah in terms of like oh you should add you know you should definitely add this like yes I I have this copy of, of Skull Reinforcements I've been meaning to put it in I am having a hard time with cuts <laughs> Uh yeah I hear you I'm, that's uh it was just I I took a peek at my Millicent list because that's where I built um a competitive version of like spirit tribal almost mm -hmm. uh, and not in the sense that it is actually spirit tribal but there are a lot of relative spirits in those colors so um which which is why i also wish that <laughs> like there was a jeskai legendary spirit because then we could cram both of these lists together and make something really cool i know um, either way i was just oh, i was high car know. oh he makes spirits no it's a bird get out of here <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I just was peeking at my list cause I saw a drog skull card on yours and I thought it was going to be that one and it was different. So I was like, Oh, what about this one? But yeah, um, both, both are good. Actually, your the cavalry one is not bad either. Drog skull cavalry, uh, like this, this is one of, so this is the other part, um, about the deck is that it is very much to me, um, it's a mixed bag. I got super duper pet cards in it, and Drogskull Cavalry to me is is comes across the same. It's a seven mana four four. That's a spirit knight, and that when spirits enter, you gain two life, and you can pay four to make a, a spirit token with flying. Um, I think this was like the face card of one of those like uh, uh, pre constructed standard decks when oh, those uh, intro decks back in like old which Trump. and and i i think maybe it had like promo artwork actually let me just take a physical look at like what i got i don't know where it is but point being is that like it, it is fundamentally probably for a lot of people not a very good card and uh i would say you're right but i also am playing spirits and i don't care because it's commander yeah, and I, I look at things from a C, through a CDH lens mm -hmm. whenever I'm building, no matter what the format. Uh, even with this being an artisan list and being heavily restricted as far as building goes, um, I still feel like I got it as right and tight as I could, you know, given the circumstances. But also with like no rares, like you don't even get good lands. 
Like my land base is awful. It's it's pretty. It's uh from a glance. I mean, I, I mean, and that's the other thing too. I I had built uh I built a couple artisan decks for uh for some discussions and for gameplay and for some streams that I was going on. And then just some private games that I was going to be a part of. Um, the mana bases like get really muddled. Uh, the lower rarity you go. Uh, especially mm. when you do have that restriction, because then you realize you're like, I'm mostly just packing basics, and everything yep. else is either an attempt to fix for for whatever the heck I need. And uh, yeah, it's it's I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's tap lands. It's it's what a precon mana base looks like. It's like eight tap lands and then like a bunch of basics, and you're like, cool. <laughs> I mean, evolving wilds is a fetch land, but it's just not a good one. Uh, but it's fine. You know, like it does the job, and in this case, sometimes you need that early fix, because you you know you drew two planes and an evolving wilds. And you're like, okay, well, I need to get red, so evolving wilds get you your red. So it does it does its thing, and in casual settings, that's fine. Um, cards like Alpine Meadow, which is one of those snow duels, or uh, Rust Veil Bridge, which was um, Modern Horizons two. That's like one of those the, the, the indestructible lands. artifact lands, yeah. Right, but it's still ETBs tapped. So in both cases, kind of garbage. I even included the Lorehold Campus because flavor and hey, you know, if I'm really behind and have nothing, I really need, you know, whatever. A four mana scry is not the worst thing I could be doing. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've. Uh... I, oh man, this this is gonna be a whole other discussion in itself. But like the the Lorehold, uh, the that land cycle of, of being able to scry, and I think even the lands that they just included in New Capenna, where you can pay for mana to sack them to draw. Card. They're worse. They're worse than the, like Horizon Canopy, the Canopy lands, because those ones come in untapped and tap for your color, but you have to pay a life, and then they just sack to draw you a card. Uh, much better, or maybe it's a mana. I don't remember, but it's much cheaper. It's much. These cheaper. are kind of a bud- budget version of that. Uh, they don't hurt you, but they do come in tapped, so they're not good. But they're also not terrible. Uh, personally, I, I like the uh, uh, the ones from Innistrad better. That kind oh, of finished uh, off that cycle of um, you know the... two or less or two or more, whatever it is. Uh, oh shoot! Um, like. Uh, the ones with like additional abilities stapled on them like no 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 they're know. they're they're two color um they enter tap oh oh oh, oh sorry yeah, the, yeah 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 were less lands i think or two yes. or more lands yeah yeah they finished off a cycle that was or no they were their own cycle, it was a self-isolated cycle in the set yeah but it was similar to like what was in kaladesh and a couple other ones there were ones that was the opposite it was like there's one set of them i can't remember which that says ETB's tapped unless you control two or fewer lands. And then the other uh, yeah, one yeah. is opposite the, the fast, unless you control two or more. Fast and... I think they, I think they are kind of referring to them as It's two or more. Slow. I'm sorry. It's, it's two or more because Deserted Beach is the Azurius one. I play a lot of Historic on mm-hmm. Arena. And that one requires you to have two lands. So that And that's from Innistrad, this newest version. So it, that's the new cycle. It was um, two or more. Uh, and then they come in untapped. I think those are still better than the long story short here <laughs> they're still better than the <laughs> uh like the Lorehold campus or the um the new ones in the the set that just came out Campena, where you can pay four mana to draw a card but four mana to draw a card I, that's probably still better than scrying it's, but it's also it, you know it's just tapped too uh, so I, it's like... I mean this this is the thing right like it, it's the as commander and more magic modern magic design has come out it's it 
especially if you're on a budget uh you're in a rarity restriction you're playing in a certain format i mean like i imagine for uh people even playing popper like lorehold campus in a deck you're like oh yeah jam that in because you need as much like if you need the advantage you can do it uh and i know rustville like the the artifacts uh, land cycle from Modern Horizons is like a pretty big thing well, for like some modern affinity affinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense in that case, and uh, it, it doesn't make sense in I think anything CDH wise because Dockside. Like you don't want to. Why like, would you? Yeah. Why would you there. feed it if if you if you didn't have to? I, I get that. Like if you're in an artif artifact heavy list because that's the deck's strategy like urza or whatever like you are feeding docksides and that's just something you have to live with mm -hmm. you're also you know winter orbing so people don't have their lands they just have the treasures they get off the docksides so it's probably fine but um i agree the the lower uh, rarity like restrictions artisan and popper and stuff like having the uh, extra ability stapled on lands that aren't rares is great um i think the issue is, is that I, honestly, I don't think there should ever be a rare land. I think they should all be uncommon or less because honestly, I hate getting lands in my rares, my, my rare slot for pack pulling. Yeah, that's, I, <laughs> you know, like if uh, I get, if I get Modern Horizons 2 and I pull a fetch land, I'm happy because that's, you know, you know it's a fetch land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. But in no any brainer. other set, you're printing these garbage land legendary or rare cards and you're like, I don't want this. Like, I, I, the other day I opened some packs and got um, one of the alter, alternate, like, full art... Triomes. Uh, Triomes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure, that's cool, but, like, I, I fucking... Give me a Vivian, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want this. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think uh, as someone who only, like, bought a handful of packs and stuff, like, I got... Um, uh, yeah, I didn't buy a ton. I, I got a couple bundles. And I, I, I uh, got what I needed. Uh, got Brown Summit at Walmart, and then literally last night I ordered singles of everything I want, so I don't have to buy any more packs. <laughs> but, but, like, I think one of the things, even though, like, especially right now, because the new set has come out, uh, and we're still coming out of the recent Innistrad uh, sets, like, these lands are sort of, hover like, if we're talking about from, like, just a pure magic finance standpoint or or whatever printer paper aside with your cartridge and your machine if you wanted to print it out but like these cards you know so these lands are sitting around like 10 bucks and a lot of people probably want them for one reason or another and yeah. uh that's good that's pretty much exactly where, where we want these but a lot of people are opening them and i imagine I, honestly <laughs> i think it's great the, the issue i think that is going to come up at some point probably well, maybe not because it's it's casual but uh i think that they have gotten to a point where they've printed so many of these new cycles of lands tapped or not you know and rare or under uh, rarities you know like even they just did those um the the new ones that are kind of like a new evolving wilds but it just comes in and it instantly sacks itself to go get whatever and you gain a life yeah yeah like they're it's fine. It's color fixing. I realize it's a three color set. They have to do that for limited. They have to do that for standard. So it's fine. And for rotating formats, it's fine. But when you get to EDH, now casual decks are running 35 lands and they're only running like two basics because there are so many options. They're like, fuck it, put in all the tablets or put in all of these lands that do something different. 
Which eventually somebody might go, hmm, well, you know, my whole pod plays like no basics, so I'm going to play Blood Moon. I'm going to play back to basics. They're going to play, then, um, uh, uh, what's that instant that deals damage? Um, price of Progress. You know? Deals right, anything. Uh, yeah, there's tons of them that, um, you know, tons of cards in red, too, that just punish you for tapping your lands. Uh, the Worst Hole and stuff. It, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff there, but the main issue is that that kind of makes it to where it, people if, if people aren't paying attention and they slam a bunch of those kinds of lands in their deck, they can have a negative impact on their deck because they've added a bunch of two-color lands that come in tapped, and that kind of slows them down because then they have games where they're like, okay, cool, tap land, first turn, don't care, I'm fine with that. Second turn, another tap land. Mm, now you've slowed yourself down two turns. If, if you're coming to your third turn and you're playing another tap land or worse, a bounce land, and now you've got to play that tap land again, ugh. And uh, if people aren't yeah. careful, they'll put themselves in that position. And then, like I say, other times, you're going to have that guy in your group that's just like, I, I just realized that nobody plays basics, so I'm going to play that back to basics, and all of these, these lands that you thought were helping your deck just kind of shut your whole deck off. And... I realize that's probably feels bad and probably lots of people aren't doing that in casual, but it's definitely something that happens in CDH all the time. And you have to kind of always keep that in mind. If you are running a greedy mana base, you can be punished. Yeah. I mean, I take, uh, even on my list, I do admit I, I'm a little greedy. I am trying to like upgrade certain lands to, to different ones uh, that don't enter tap. So at least I still have the flexibility of like, you know, I'll do the turn one, um like i'll do the turn one myriad landscape or or the temple of triumph you know that that's a decent turn one um i i want to be able to like search for an alpine meadow um i can't remember what i used to do that um but it doesn't you can, use, you can use um search for glory if you needed to oh yeah you, that's right we'll get you a legendary and we'll get you a snow land right. Um, you could also potentially um, run. I don't think there's any. There are cards that say get a planes, I believe. But I, I was trying to. Know. I was trying to remember. Uh, like this. This is. I don't think there's I anything do. that says mountain because I know like nature's lore and three visits and in green they search for forest typing so you can get a dual land with them. That's uh, fine. What was I? Uh, yeah, I can't. I, oh, I had... uh, into the north. Into the north is uh, also gets a snow land, I believe. I think that'll get Alpine Meadow. There was a reason I put Alpine Meadow in the list, and I can't remember what it was, but I, I think at some point I, I I could... I mean, I'm not someone who plays fetch lands either, um, just from a monetary standpoint, and also I just... I personally sometimes don't see the point. Um, but there was at one point i had something that searched for planes or something but that 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 was in the past i can't remember how that all worked out yeah, that's um, what i'm saying i think there is a card that that says that you can you know search for a planes just the typing and it doesn't care that it's basic most cards are written in a way that says a basic planes or a basic forest yeah more 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 that. recent modern that's just, i mean i mean that's again that more modern design has made it a little bit harder for some of these cards to break out of either uh, lower power commander or standard because of their clauses that prevents them from finding uh, the cycle lands or, or whatever you need. And it's like, right. 
I feel like it's a course correction that modern design it like of of at which oh, this is. is trying to take. It is because um, three, three business just got reprinted, and that had been what like twenty years. Sure, but that and was it, in the yeah. part of the commander set. No, that, I realized uh, that was directly for commander, but it was still like not on their mind. Like they were never. Going oh, to it would never. It would never happen. Yeah. And right. and you know who knows when that would ever happen again when they finally be like okay, I guess in this commander set. But but yeah, right. like. Let's get back on track. <laughs> we're, we're all well, over as, the place. As, as you said, wherever the conversation, wherever goes. the conversation goes. But like, um, I, I have, a, I have a good thing to bring up. Um, so another thing that I kind of tried to focus on with this list was the ability to uh, affect not only my graveyard but other people's graveyards, and I it kind of became a sub theme in the sense that I'm running. Let's see, one, two, three, four. five artifacts that can somehow manipulate your cards in your graveyard so for for example like relic of progenitus uh, it's one mana artifact tap target player exiles a card from his or her library it is notably target player target so player yeah. your opponent you can do it to yourself so if you end up throwing a card in the bin that doesn't have flashback or disturb or no way to recur basically you can just exile that card because you don't care you've already gotten your value out of it and now you get a spirit uh, you can also pay one and exile it itself and exile all cards from all graveyards and then draw a card. So it replaces itself when you're done with it. And in some cases, being able to blow up someone's graveyard, if you guess a Marin that's just got a stacked graveyard, you just exile that, they're out of the game and you're doing fine. You drew a card, you got a treasure, you know, or a, a spirit, I should say, you, you're fine. Um, some of the other ones... Or they're basically the same thing. Scrabbling Claws, uh, Phyrexian Furnace. All of them have abilities to move cards around from your graveyard. Uh, and then Perpetual Timepiece is not so much that you can exile stuff, but it allows you to tap and put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. So if you want to dig for something that has flashback, or because you don't have it in your hand, or something that has Disturb, or anything else that you might be able to use in your graveyard, uh, that will get you more spirits as well. Uh, but then you can exile it and shuffle any number of target cards from your graveyard into your library. So if you do need kind of a reset because the game's gone long or you're playing against a mill player that's put half your your library into your graveyard. Which is pretty well, a valid strategy. This, yeah, this thing is going to slam all those cards back in. You only get one trigger off Quint because it's one or more. Uh, otherwise, this would be a <laughs> slam dunk. Could you imagine? Holy. <laughs> shuffle like. 16 cards in your graveyard and get 16 three twos like that just ends the game this is would be like the boros crater hoof but uh yeah i mean obviously this is just kind of protection for yourself and then also putting stuff into your graveyard and it's cool because it's on the same card so you can mill yourself to try and get to value and then if you see yourself like dumping too much stuff or as i said you get milled too much you can just put it all right back so it keeps you from getting decked out there's a lot of stuff at um on your list at this level rarity and i mean like of course the further you go back the more you're like oh yeah that was printed on common or common or whatever like i i know you're uh you got a copy of winds of change for example uh yes which is i mean that's just good that's just a good refresher you know in in especially in a lower not every day you get wheels at uncommon which i mean if we do see that it's literally the only one yeah, you know. We <laughs> oh, I'm see... sorry. It, uh, uh, heartwarming redemption is the other one. Yeah, uh, like, and... oh, yeah. 
Like heartwarming. Those Redemption, are the only two. <laughs> and, and I mean, like heartwarming Redemption too. At least it gives you the bit of buffer. You're like, all right, let's gain a bit of life, instant speed too, which I think is so sweet. Um, but like you well, managed I... to make like your list. It's it's uh it's it's a tight list. It goes up to five mana at most. Uh, great curve. That's just how I. That's just how I build generally yeah. Yeah. these days. And and it's just. Uh, you know, even from this short list, it's pure efficiency. You got tribal stuff. Uh, you got stuff that just synergizes, or you're like, I, I cast spirits, and it sacks and protects by stuff. Yeah, uh, you have, like, Dauntless Cathar, and uh, I'm not sure if there was another one in this list, but, like, having, having uh, oh, uh, uh, Near Heath Champlain, uh, of being able to, like, have them out early, have them die, and then exile them from your graveyard to sacrifice them to make spirits so you get there's actually more in that cycle too and i had more of them in but of course at some point i had to make cuts mm -hmm. um other cards too um there i want to say there the other one was like five or six cmc it was like an even bigger one it was pretty like yeah first, yeah that sounds about the right first one gives you one to token the other one gives you two so yeah but again it synergizes really well and it, like you get two, like you know, in the near Keith Champlain's case, you you exile Champlain, so you get your body from Katorius, and then it make you two spirits, and like that seems like pretty sweet freaking value, like right there. A three two non flyer and two two one flyers, like all for three mana, like seems pretty good. And and especially at uh, like artisan in itself, uh, like um. You know, it was originally Pezin, and then people thought, well, that's kind of a silly name. Let's name it Artisan. And Artisan's been kind of getting this really nice... Uh, uh, it's gotten a little more popular. I hear about it a lot more often. But, like, this list just seems super sweet in general. And looks like it works really well in, in a lower rarity game. You know, so, yeah, obviously you want to play this against itself. Although, I will say that I built... My other artisan build that I have actually put into paper is um, Trellisara. Yes, which I know yeah. already, you you said you already spoke about on here. I'm sad because I'd like to to talk that one up, but we're we're okay. I, I consoled myself. <laughs> um, that one I've actually played in just a general casual game, and even with the restriction of I don't have any rares, I still was a pretty big threat because it is. If you think this one looks right and tight, that one I've got dialed in to a T. Mainly because I started playing on Arena a little while after um, the D&D set. I think I started when the first Innistrad came out. Yeah. So the D&D set had already existed, and I had already pulled cards. I had a Trellisara already, so I was like, cool, I'm going to... I Like, I saw it, and I was immediately attracted to it. And anyway, I built a historic list on arena and I grinded through that for a long time. So I basically just took the inspiration from that and put it into an artisan build and it works very much the same because thankfully a lot of the key cards are uncommon, but yeah, like you can make these things busted. And if you're playing in a pod of other car of other decks at the same level, it's no different than regular EDH, right? You're all running under the same kind of rules. So in this case, it's just slightly different. Um, restrictions same as popper or anything else like popper pdh is uh has gotten some popularity as well it's grown a bit um so 
I, I like these kinds of formats because they force you to use cards that you would never even look at. Like I said, like you said, uh, if Quintorius was not even a legendary, like, would we even give a shit about him? Probably not. But being that he is a legendary, we looked at it. So in, in that sense, like, you're also looking at cards that are just, you wouldn't play them because there's just a, a rare version that just does it better. Does it's it more better, yeah. efficiently costed. It gives you extra value on top of that. Like, why would you play this load, um, mana, what is it, mana gorgia? Mana gorger? Mana gorger um, hydra? Um, it's the little one that's like a 1-1, one, one, but like whenever somebody casts a spell, like it gets plus one, plus one or something like that. I think that, that, that might be that's Mana Gorge or Hydra. That it's okay, a, it's a three mana one one. I think which is Trample. Um, but right. then, like, uh, it, it, why know. would you play that over Questing Beast? Is my point. Like Questing Beast is, and I, that, that may be a bad comparison, but just uh, this thing that's at Mythic has this wall of text of abilities, and it's just super good, right? So like, why would you not play that over the uncommon card that does half of the things? You wouldn't, right? But in these formats where you're forced to, it makes you look through your bulk and go like, hey, there's actually some cool shit in here. And it kind of makes you appreciate other cards that normally when you're, at least for me as a CDH player, I open up a pack of cards. I've already paid attention to the spoilers. And at some point there's where there's cards where they're spoiled that are common and uncommon. And a lot of times you're just kind of skimming over them because you're just like, eh, nothing interesting here. And there's like one or two that are pretty good. Uh, like, for example, um, the counter spell that was just reprinted in uh, Kamigawa. Uh, Essence Capture is one of them. Like, uh, the the one two, that counters, the, it counters, a, it counters a creature spell and you put a plus one counter on one of your creatures. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so like that, that got reprinted. It's not a great card, but it's a common. And like, if you're in the right kind of deck, it's great. I run it in a couple of my historic lists. Fucking slam dunk. It's great. It, it does exactly what I want it to do. It counters the big thing they're going to play that's going to stop me from doing my thing and also makes one of my spirits a little bit bigger. Perfect. Um, so some of those cards are good. They're just not good enough when you're playing CDH. So outside of, you know, those one or two commons or uncommons, and then otherwise you're basically just flipping through the pack to get to the rare. Mm -hmm. And if the rare isn't good, then you're like, cool next pack <laughs> and you just keep going until you found the handful of rares that you want from the set because generally speaking it's like rare or above is what's played uh, outside of those like super niche picks outliers yeah right and 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 then so when you go and knock the the, the power level down and it's not that to say that it it's knocking the power level down in 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 being inefficient or whatever like you said my, my curve is good here uh it's not too high end. It's all very low. Uh, so it's it's efficient. It does the thing. There's lots of packed in synergies. So you can build any power level to that sort of level as far as like I want it to be good and efficient and do the, do the job that I want it to do. But uh, the forcing you to like look at other cards does kind of, like I said, it gives you an appreciation of cards that you wouldn't normally look at. It's the same thing with limited. I mean, if you go and play in a pre-release event, some of the cards that you're going to end up putting in your decks are cards that are not great uh, for EDH, but like they're great for that limited environment. So, like opening your eyes to other options also helps you just deck build in general because you'll be able to pull these weird, obscure cards from 20 years ago 
out of the, out of your hat and be like, hey, I got this one weird perfect card for this exact for, for this exact scenario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and this is something. Uh, this is something that I've noticed that I think a lot of the uncommon legendary creatures that have been printed in the last few years kind of lead to um, a resurgence, of course. Not necessarily for uh, a specific card, but sometimes like a subset of cards that have been put to the side for a very long time. And maybe that's modern commander design uh, and like the commander in general influencing wizards when it comes to designing cards and whether or not you consider that to be a problem you know that that'll be uh that's up to the individual player but uh even if like you know quatorius is, is a fairly narrow card um but it adds a sort of a, a complexity and a unique ability to red and white that allows that didn't exist, and now there's a space for it that you can funnel a lot of these cards uh, back into it that didn't Feather have... being printed was a big thing for Oh, Boros. like Boros cantrips and, like, pumps and, and, and being able to, like... Just stuff you would never play in any EDH deck because it's just a wasted slot is all of a sudden just repeated value. I, I mean, like, uh, uh, I, never would I have thought, like kind of looking at my list there, there's a few things that I'm, I'm a really big fan of um being able to cast throws of chaos and just being like what the heck i'm just gonna cast throws of chaos but i have a crucible worlds out which is really strong powerful card but throws of chaos in itself is literally just a, a cascaded retrace but if that's uh, all I, I got. I never even saw that card before. That's, that's a weird one. It's a super weird one. Now, it works really well in my deck, probably more so than yours. I'm, you know, how do you return a land in common and uncommon? I don't know. Uh, but I, I run Sun Titan and Savine's Reclamation and um, Crucible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that there is really any way to... I. I want to say that I looked through all my recursion options when I built the list and I put in the stuff that I thought was the best mm -hmm. in the sense of like my recursion was all basically repeatable. Yeah. I didn't put stuff in that was like a single target return this thing to the battlefield or return it to your hand. It was the sigil of the new dawn. Um, and then uh, otherwise just value of like field of soul spirit cairn that, uh, you know, player discards a card, you pay one, you get a, a token. Oh, I love Spirit Cam. It's so cool. Um, the Field of Souls is whenever non-token creature is put into your graveyard from Battlefield, you get a 1-1 one, one Spirit. So it's just, you're you're getting value back off of anything that you're discarding from Faithless Looting or anything that gets blown up or whatever. Uh, Abiding Grace, I am running five one-drops, but they're all like creatures that sack themselves to protect something. So super good with abiding grace because it's an enchantment that at your end step you get to either gain a life so in the case that you don't have anything to return you're just gain a life, life yeah. is fine and at three mana to gain a life not not a good rate of return but you do get it over time so if you cast this on turn one or two you're gonna get you know five six seven eight life throughout a game if you don't do any recursion but it's really here for the recursion uh, and it's super narrow in the sense that it's a mana value one but again, I'm running five, and it's, uh, it's like Selfless Savior and Alcid of Life's Bounty, in both cases, sack to get Grant either uh, indestructible or protection from a color. So it's probably there to protect Cretorius. And then 
with the abiding grace, you'll get it back at your end step. Uh, and it's to the battlefield. It's not even to your hand. So yeah, it's just straight to play, which is like, I mean, you stack this and then you have the protection for the next go around the table. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe enough people like see what you have going on and feel threatened enough to where they try to kill Quint and you sack something and then you get it back at end step and then somebody else tries and you sack that and then you don't get it back until the third guy actually kills Quintorius, but like the table isn't going to spend that many resources just to kill your commander because at that point you're probably going to recast him you know i mean this like regardless of like what power level or or like what sort of sub um sub genre of commander that we're, we're we're playing um there's always going to be a point where people realize that you're like oh wait the commander's kind of the cornerstone of the whole ability and uh all those pieces together equal bad news, and so we should that, probably get rid of it. That ends up being something that happens when you play in either curated pods or you have a local play group that you play with all the time or a, a group of regulars at the LGS. They may end up figuring out that your deck's entire strategy hinges on your commander being out and will use their removal to get rid of it. It's going to happen here and there. I've heard tons of horror stories from people like, oh, I play at the LGS all the time. At first, this deck won me all my games forever, and now I have a shit win <laughs> rate with it because everybody figured out that if they just kill my commander, I can't do anything. What do I do? And it's like, well, you either add in more protection or you play a different deck. Like, that's really all there is to it. Uh, and, and protection can be like examples like we've used here, which are you know things that sacrifice themselves to, to give uh, some sort of protection, protection. to the, the commander or counter spells or flicker effects there's a lot of ways to protect things but yeah but yeah like the 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 one thing i do like kind of like having these comparisons of decks um and especially like across the the different styles of play uh and power levels that we play that uh you know we both took a commander with a certain subset of conditions that we were hoping to find and like achieve a goal and uh you know, I know it's been a while for you playing your list. You you said it, um, it it's been a while, but uh, it's a. I mean, the entire thing about my podcast is is I invite people on and I talk about their decks and I just think it's really cool, and uh, even even if you don't have the powerhouse cards that like you probably want to put into Contorius deck and you know a lot of people no doubt have myself included, like you. You you found the best of the best of what tools you were you know you, the restrictions you had, and you have a deck that I bet can probably punch up like where needed with just simple cards that do simple things. Honestly, um, for me, the the deck building process has been probably more fun than the actual playing of games uh, since I started really getting back into it. When I was a when I was a kid in high school and I played at the lunch tables, uh, we were playing you know sixty card and it was just whatever cards we had and it was total homebrew stuff and I remember I had a deck that was a uh, it was is it Drakes and Dragons it was just ramp out as fast as you could into a couple little Drakes that you could kind of pressure life total a little bit and then eventually get to that Shivan Dragon that you can fire use fire breathing and, and kill them. Uh, and like I played it so much and only had so much income because you know kid 
kid. So, yeah. Uh, also, LGS was not in town. Had to be. It was like a thirty-minute drive to a neighboring town to go there. So it was also begging the parents to like take me there to spend this allowance money on cards. So yeah, it was never um, <laughs> ideal, but it was something that kind of forced me into okay. I have these restrictions of no transportation and monetary limitations. So I'm going to build the most busted best thing I could. And I'd spend hours digging through Like they would drop me off there and then like go to the mall next like, nearby. Mm-hmm. And I would just be in there for like two hours by myself, just digging through their boxes of singles and just finding old gems of shit that I had never seen before. And, Oh, this would be so good for the deck. And it didn't matter what the rarity was. You just saw it and was like, this does the thing. And this will and help me stop that guy and that and I it's wor- And it's worth how much? It's literally worth yeah. pennies? What the heck? What yeah. is wrong with this you? Is, this is five cents? Like, <laughs> perfect. Like, I would get a stack of, like, 30, 40 cards and spend, like, five bucks and be like, yes, this is awesome. And then go home and just tinker with my decks. So I essentially do the same thing now, but there's online tools and I have transportation and I have more disposable income. So, uh... Uh, although I also am a very big proponent of, of proxies, like play with proxies. It's not going to hurt anybody. Also, if you don't even want to, if you don't have a printer or you don't even want to print something out, you can just use OBS and Moxfield and play with people on spell table. Very oh easily. yeah. So, it's, it's, um, you don't, you don't have to spend a ton to have a good time, but with decks like these, uh, my, this Quintorius list as it stands right now is $182. So, it's very budget. It's not like $20 budget, but I don't think anything really is anymore. Uh, it's kind of gotten to a point where I think 100 bucks is probably the lowest like, I, I, budget deck you're going to yeah, want to do. I'd, I'd say like $100 <laughs> nowadays uh, is, is sort of considered the the most expensive. Or I mean, uh, in, in this case, expensive too, for the, a budget. Right. And, and in this case, too, like consider yourself buying a pre-con for 40 45 dollars and then you know that's that's like a third of this or a quarter of this but then by the time you go through and and buy the singles you want to upgrade that to get it to a point where it's as efficient and tuned as something like this could be uh you probably already spent that 200 dollars just the same you know because i mean how big do we how big of a jump yeah jumping to your list it's at 325 dollars so about 150 bucks more and completely you know reasonable still i think because the thing about magic is that over time you acquire cards so eventually you have you go to a point where you could dig through your whole collection and get like 60 out of the 100 cards and then only spend like easy like maybe spend 50 bucks on the rest and call it a day but then you know again if you don't want to spend the money you can just print them out so i mean the the answers are there to get there uh, no matter how you want to do it but uh I think that more importantly, the ability to get that that mindset of regardless of if you're on a budget or not on a budget, getting the mindset to just like build a deck how you want it to be built and then worry about the monetary aspects and whatever. I think the deck building principles themselves are more important than the monetary aspect. Obviously, you, you like I have CDH decks that are like worth over ten thousand dollars and it's like yeah i'm not actually ever going to spend that much money like that's how no and and especially uh like especially if if that is uh your desired style of play and you know 
Like CDH, I, I know, has been uh, a really big thing for a lot of people, especially with some of the people that I chat with. Like uh, some people's topics for their podcasts have changed, and people's content and like how they focus on it. But at the same time, uh, you know, if 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 you're really just hanging out with friends at the end of the day, and you're just hanging out on stream. Are you are you expected to just show up and actually like pay out? No, because no one can afford that. Like, just straight up, I I know what kind of decks people play. I I know what you know. I've seen some I've seen some deck lists and their prices. Little, it's a little uh, well. Back, then people breaking. Well, then on top of it, people go and bling their decks out, and they're like, oh yeah, this is my pet deck, so I'm gonna get every single foil. And in, in some cases, they're like a card or two that just doesn't have a foil printing. So they're like, yeah, my, my deck's foiled out except for these two cards because they don't have a printing. But as soon as they do, I'll get them. That increases the value even more. It's it's insane. And I, I, I like the whole thought of, oh, yeah, I blinged out my whole deck. I have a couple decks that I would do that, I've, too. I've, tried, I've is, tried doing it. It's <laughs> so much more money. Because you're like, oh, I the only printing of this is a seventh edition foil, and it's just like you know, two hundred bucks. It's like, man, I don't want to spend that on every single card. Uh, also, I, you know, I, as much as I like it, they've kind of gotten out of hand with all the different treatments of cards. So, uh, you know. yeah, yes and no. I mean, like as as someone who like I really adore uh, New Capenna's like art style. I love Kaldheim's frames for the legendary creatures. Um, yeah, I, I liked uh, the adventure frame treatments and some of the other stuff that they've done. I, I, again, I'm not against it, but it's one of those things that there's just so many options now. And it's like, yeah, you can bling out your deck with all these different secret layer cards and this and that and whatever. And it's cool, but it's also super expensive. So unless you can really afford to do that uh, you know, reasonably, it, it's just not a thing that I even try to shoot for anymore. Now it's just like, okay... I'll get a couple of collector's packs once in a while or, you know, this or that thing. I'll buy a secret layer. You know, I think I've paid for three of them. So like not a ton, but mm -hmm. ha I used to also buy like the spell books that had the alternate. Yeah. Treatments, yeah. Which those were cool. I, I pulled a foil rest in peace out of the Gideon one and was super stoked on that. So I also bought like Zer was my pet deck at one point. So I bought the judge promo version because it's just way cooler artwork, but you know, I don't feel the need to have those things. They're they're just nice. So if I get them, I'll put them in a deck, sure. But most of the time, if it, if a card is worth more than like a hundred bucks at this point, I don't buy it. I'm I'm beyond that. I've already bought those kinds of cards in the past. I have most of my staples, and I just proxy copies of them into other decks because I'm not gonna buy fifteen mana mana vaults or mana crypts or whatever. You know. I, I, uh, my, my trade-off now, the way I look at it with, with some of the new rarity stuff, like the new alternate art stuff coming out is that there are so much of it. There is such a saturation of it that, uh, if, if the difference of paying for the OG card is like 50 cents and then paying for the super fancy alt art is like $3, uh, th that seems like a great upgrade to me. I don't mind doing that, but older stuff, I imagine, like, I can imagine how absolutely backbreaking it was to try and get, like, a... Yeah, and, well, and I even saw that just yesterday, like I said, I, I ordered singles of New Capenna, because I was like, I'm not gonna buy more packs and just keep whiffing, because the few chase cards that I had, I think I got one of, and the rest of were all just like, okay, I might find a place for this card eventually, but right now, like, there's like five or six cards that I know I'm putting in multiple decks. So I just went on um, TCG player and 
ordered, you know, uh, like four copies of a couple different cards and then a couple extra individual copies. And like in the case of Vivian, the co- the cost between like the regular art and like the art deco treatment mm-hmm. and then the other treatment wasn't a lot. So I just picked the one I liked the best and paid the couple extra bucks. You know, in that case, I don't care, but doing the seventh edition foils that are $200, like, no, nah, I'm good. Like I, I played back then. I might have had some of them, but <laughs> you don't have them now. And nope. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pick your battles uh, when it comes to finances. And uh, you know, uh, if if you don't get it, there's no shame in not having it either. Well, coming back, coming back around. I, I think the more important part again is is not the financial aspects of it. It's mm. it's the tools are out there to do all this stuff for free. You can you can use a cockatrice. Like it's not. I mean, heck, uh, uh, me and my buddies, we, uh, my buddy was asking about it the other day. Uh, we used to use untap.in. Yeah, that's um, one. Um, there's a couple others like that. OBS um, and Moxfield now. Right, I do that all the time. And that, that, that was where I was going the most, was that Moxfield is a great tool. And when it comes to, well, in combination, Moxfield and Scryfall, th- those two are invaluable resources. Scryfall has such a crazy search engine that you can just find exactly what you're looking for uh and then moxfield obviously you have all the the tools to set up your deck and be able to look at it compare mana values it shows you your curve it shows you what you know what your average uh mana value is and what total mana value is and all of that stuff so being able to most of these decks like this contorious deck it might look like a deck that i played a lot and got pretty pretty well right and tight you know over the course of time because i tested and tweaked mm-hmm. no nah, I, I put this together in probably an hour on moxfield and then played it once and haven't touched it and you looked at it and was like hey it looks pretty good for you know your restrictions so you just have to get down to where you're you're good at deck building if you can take <laughs> what take, no I, an idea I, and, i'm not that synergizing <laughs> well I think anybody can do it. It's just a matter of practice and just taking an idea and seeing the synergies and putting it all together. And then what I do generally is you, you try to get your land base together first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you have your commander and then you, you figure out the themes and then you look for those kinds of cards. And I just add everything. So like, like I said, like we, we talked about uh, like the near Heath chaplain. Um, and there's a, a cycle of more of those than the ones I added. But I added all of them initially. And then uh, same with any of these things. Any of the uh, the stuff that I'm looking at, like for removal or the faithless looting effects or uh, recursion, whatever, I just used Scryfall, whatever search terminology I needed to, to, to find those things, and then added basically all of them. So you end up with a, a list of like 200 cards usually by the no, time you're done. Yeah, and then no big deal. You just start cutting yeah. and, and, and yeah. cutting away, and then you're like, oh, I'm at 103 Hmm, let's keep going, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you go, okay, well, I've now made these cuts, so does this game plan or this sub-theme still make sense? Like, I have cards in here that don't really make sense as far as, like, why did you put that in there? Like, why is Song Mad Treachery in here? Well, it's an MDFC, so it's a land, but then it's also a spell that you might get value off of. Stealing somebody's creature isn't entirely terrible, um, especially uh, in more casual pods, you might be able to get a, a pretty nice beater for a turn. Um, 
So, you know, or if it's an Elishnorn or something, then you just wipe everybody else's boards. It, it, these types of effects, uh, where there's multi-purpose in it, like any, any card that I'm has a huge a, fan for mode for modality. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Like it, over time they've, they've made cards be able to do more things and give you the option to be like, what's the current situation you're in? What do you want to be able to do? And like the, the modal double face cards from, uh, not just, um, Zendikar not, and Zendikar um, and Strixhaven. Yeah. Like, uh, do you want a creature or do you want a spell? Or do you want a land or do you want a spell? And right. and and all of that eventually like kind of comes together to like just having the option exist, period. You're like, I need a land now, even if it enters tapped. I, I want to be able to keep face with this game. You flip that song, well, Mad Trenchery over. Right. You're good to go. Uh, I, I'm a fan, too, of the... Uh... The first one, really, that comes to mind is a braid. Yes, where it's it's lightning bolt or destroy artifact. That's and, cool. But then they then they got even crazier with with cathartic. Added, well, cathartic pyre. That's one uh, where it's three damage to a creature or planeswalker, and then uh, or it's a wheel effect. Or, sorry, not a wheel effect, a, a faithless looting effect. Uh, and then there's the other one which I don't have here, but it's uh, I think it's you find some prisoners, and it's the same like just deal three damage somewhere or. Exile top card and I thought you um, I thought find some prisoners was destroy target artifact or Maybe, yeah. you do it, yeah it, it's one of those things. it's it's and a red it, spell that does something it does two things and you get an option uh, and then they actually added it with Strixhaven too with uh, the the Boros color uh, it's a red and a white and it's three damage to creature or planeswalker or artifact or enchantment so a little bit more modal the the one key difference. Uh, between these is that rip apart is a sorcery so some people are down on that but nine times out of ten in, in a casual game sorceries are fine even i honestly think rip apart's fine even if you're in cdh uh because yes it's not an instance so you can't do it at instant speed but a lot of times you can still get rid of the thing that's stopping you on your turn well so. and, and that's exactly it right like i i i'm i'm not uh very well versed in cdh discussion and strategies because uh the i understand the appeal it's just i've never played enough where i'm like i i i can't do super tight-knit plays where i gotta you know be able to pivot uh where and when i need to be like you know i can see why rip apart would be looked down upon in that situation because you want the flexibility to be you're like uh i flash it out well, instead they, right right they play a thing on their turn that's going to win them the game and you now have instant speed interaction to remove it and that's why it's quote-unquote bad but I think if you're in a Boros list, this is another effect that is beneficial because it can remove the Dranith that's stopping you from casting your commander, or it can blow up the Rule of Law, or it can blow up the Torpor Orb. I mean, I you mean, know? worst so, you know, worst case scenario, I think the way I look at it, like I don't think you get to be able to like pop off a Silence or uh, have um, I, I, does Silence and um, I'm trying to think of the creature. Play. Um, the one from Strix, it's a red creature. Backside is a silence. Uh, there's also, um, uh, to do Ranger Captain of Eos. Uh, I was thinking of, there's that, and, uh, it's like the, the double pip bear, do the one where no one can cast Yeah, him. that's the one, that's the one from Strixhaven. No, 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 um, uh, why am I blanking? It was from a core set. For like a few years ago, uh... oh, Grand Abolisher. Grand Abolisher. Grand Abolisher yeah. gets played. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, all of those get played. Yeah. Uh, well, Grand Abolish or Protects your combo turn. Yeah, so okay. It, yeah. it protects you anytime, really, but like usually people try to get that out so that they have on the turn they're on gonna the turn go they're gonna wake yeah. Yeah. Silence is used for the same reason. The red creature from Strixhaven. Saving. Yeah, well I I, I I chatted with uh uh Jake Fitzsimons from uh Commander's Herald. Yeah, he was talking about his coal list. Um, and we went over how his creature tutors would grab that Strixhaven creature because it has the silence effect on the back end. Right. And I'm like, yeah, and whoa, like, yeah. oh, okay, like, that's super neat. I, I, and I, I, well, that's why I brought up the, la the land tutoring thing for Alpine Meadow earlier is because there are cards that exist like that. Maybe not for Alpine Meadow outside of the search for glory, but in like green, you have that option of any of your dual lands that say forest, you can use nature's lore or three visits and get those cards out. So sometimes that typing can be kind of tricky. And in this case, with your example there, the recruiter of the guard or the Imperial recruiter will go get a creature, but it can be an MDSC and still have a spell for what you really actually want it for or vice versa, you know, spell into, or um, same with like uh Bergy. Or any of the call time ones that are, you know, a creature on the front and an artifact on the back. The some of the gods as uh, all of the gods. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like yeah. Hal Halvar and, and the others. You can use a creature shooter to get them, and you actually just want the backside. So, having that, that's more modality as it as it goes. Yeah, um, I'm and, I'm a huge fan of that kind of stuff, and I put those kinds of cards into decks as much as I can. I guess I I guess kind of really to kind of sum everything up because. This is going to be a long episode. Um, oh, you can cut out some of this banter. Yeah, well, sure. I'm sh we'll see what happens. Um, but the the modern magic design, uh, whether it be how they're expanding legendary creatures to lower rarities for numerous reasons, um, how they're capping certain things to only be able to trigger once per group thing, or you have to attack multiple yeah. players. Um, and then also like having more modality with interesting dual face design or just hacking something on the end of it, like a braid or cathartic pyre, or, uh, you, you find some prisoners like it, it's, it is a step in the right direction for more modern design than what we've had for the last decade or the last 20 years. Some of this stuff has like some really sweet playability in commander some of it has probably, like, I don't know about uh, other Eternal formats and how they, you know, if they do or do not stack up to, like, the behemoths of, like, what Legacy or Modern already is. But I'm it, sure some of it's seen play in Modern. Legacy and Vintage, probably not as much. Pretty much set in stone just, at that point. Yeah, they, there's rare, it, it's like companions and things that came out that yeah. really affected those formats. Otherwise, it's not been much. But, uh, but Modern Magic Design, like, has, uh, to me, at least from a perception, led to like a boom of a lot of different kinds of commander decks and a lot of different kinds of strategies and a resurgence of older strategies and card designs we haven't seen in a very long time. And uh, I think we're in a good spot right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I also appreciate that in some cases it's been in standard sets and in some cases it's been in commander only products, mm -hmm. but the making some older keywords like actually viable and, or just revisiting them. Like we talked about goat earlier and like, there wasn't 
at one point there wasn't anything but like disrupt decorum and then now there's like at least five or six cards that do goad stuff so you know eventually there will be enough goad things to make a full list dedicated to that strategy and that's a whole other strategy that doesn't really exist now there's aggro but then now you're gonna have aggro that like also keeps you from attacking me back that's crazy right so you you get to play on my level and you can't hit me and everyone's like wait what well and like they had stuff like they have had things like that like some of the support that came out for that was like Thantis and and Cardor and, and stuff, but they also have had uh, weird niche commanders like Pramicon. Was that Jeskai Wall that like forced combat forced people to direction. go in one direction? Yeah. But then if you can play cloning effects like uh, Spark Double or whatever, and then it's uh, the legendary rule doesn't count, and now you make two of them, and now people just can't attack. <laughs> like there are there are different weird design choices that they've made that at some point will have more viability like there's 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 mechanics that are you know evergreen trample lifelink all those kind of keywords have been around forever and they will always will be uh but then there's the newer mechanics that get added in that kind of come back and um you know like kicker was a thing in one set and then they brought it back in dominaria and they've had some kicker cards since then and then commander only products kind of sprinkle in a little bit here and there of this mechanic, like the the draw skull, uh, melee, melee, yeah, 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 yeah. Melee hadn't been around for a while, and then they they sprinkled that back in. So I, I like that kind of design, and I hope they keep doing that. Like I would like to see more cards with energy again. I know energy was super busted, but like it's kind of an un unexplored space still. Yeah, a lot of un, un, untapped potential that now with uh, hindsight in mind. Uh, probably would be able to find ways to make it a lot more fair. Uh, right, they, they would figure out ways to word just like the one or more clause that's in everything now. So, Teamer, ener- teamer come, Energy, let's go. Right, we've, we've come full circle again, I think. Um, But I think that puts a cap on this whole podcast episode. So it's like, I think so too. thank you for coming on and, and joining me and talking about Contorius and all this stuff. It's been really fun having you here. Yeah, I had a good time. Um, I actually hadn't looked at the list in a while and now looking at it i kind of want to play it so fantastic maybe we'll have to uh we'll have to get a another pot maybe i'll um maybe i'll upgrade or take keep this list artisan but then like do an upgrade version myself and then maybe we can get together and do a uh uh, an upgrade for it or something to that effect that sounds sounds great to me um is lane where can people find you um so I'll send you over all the links. Um, basically, I have a link tree, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the link tree address uh, slash the possibility storm. But um, I'm listed as the possibility storm on YouTube. That is also where you can find uh, the Do You Pay the One podcast. But we're also on Anchor if you want audio only. Uh, we just did an episode where we finally uh, got face cam. So the video is going to be a little more interesting on YouTube instead of just a blanket screen. Um I just had an image on the last couple where it does some like flickering and, and whatever, just to keep it from being a blank or just a plain image. But mm-hmm. uh, adding face cams is going to be uh, better. I think um, <clears throat> I'm working on editing that as we speak, but um, yeah, uh, all my links, I will, I'll provide all the information to you, but um, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was yeah. a good time. Awesome. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw all that in the description. And uh, that is it for this episode. We'll see you next time.